Hi, everyone, and thank you so much for tuning into the Sheila Zelensky Show. Make sure that you are following me on social media. Up on your screen, you can see it there, but for those listening to the podcast, you can find me on Instagram, Sheila Zelensky, all one word on Instagram. On Twitter, it's at Real Sheila Z. Facebook, Real Sheila Z, all one word. Hop on over there to SheilaZelinsky.com right now and get signed up for my e-newsletter. You can stay in the loop. And with all the crazy things going on and systems crash and you can't get a hold of somebody or somebody's website's down, it's a great way for me to stay in the loop with my listeners. If you are not already one of my patrons on Patreon, please do support me over there. And for those of you that have the means, please do become a premium partner. This show is 100% listener supported. It's ad free listening, no sponsors, no advertisements. There's also other ways to support this ministry, including you can send check or money order to box 396 Woodland Hills, California 91365. That's Sheila Zelinsky Ministries. Box 396, Woodland Hills, California, 91365. And you've asked for some ways to donate that are simpler, like Cash App, Venmo, Zelle, and there's PayPal and GoFundMe options. All that information is there. SheilaZelinski.com slash donate. And we've made a lot of convenient ways for you to donate. So check those out. And I thank you very much for your support and a shout out to all my faithful partners of this ministry. Know this, that we pray for you every week. And I'm really excited to tell you folks that next week, the early part of next week, I'm going to be putting up part four, Secrets of Mind Control, The Mind War Matrix. Part one, two, and three are over there on YouTube. And you can also look it up on my website under podcasts. Part four is coming out next week. Well, speaking of uh, breaking things up into part series, Pastor Elvis Newhart back on the program. We did a really, really incredibly interesting show. If you have not heard it, go back and listen to it. It's called Bloom Hearts Battle, A Conflict with Satan, Part One. And joining us today to get into part two, Bloom Hearts Battle, subtitled A Conflict with Satan. Elvis, I'm just going to throw you the mic. You take it away and you throw it back to me when you're ready, sir. Well, thanks, Sheila. And uh, it's really uh, great to be back this time. We're going to go into the second part of Bloomheart's battle here. Uh, we had the exciting first part here that was the entrance in. And what that was, was all of a sudden in southwestern Germany in a uh, nice little Christian village and a nice little Christian girl, all of a sudden was starting to be plagued by things. There were uh, fits of illnesses that would happen that would leave horrific scars or damages behind. And then all of, all of a sudden, the noises started. And then all of a sudden, this nice, sweet, young Christian lady was having personality changes that brought her a lot of rejection, brought her a lot of reproach. She became very repulsive and inexplicable in her behavior, right? They said they had a repugnant way about her that people liked to avoid her, and her attitude and her behavior became so bad that even Bloomheart didn't want to be around her for a while because that's how it was. And you know what? See, what we're seeing here, folks, is that this is just, just a little micro recap, but you see, we see this building up and building up because... Because we just think when this builds up over time, it's just kind of normal. And hey, do you know so-and-so? Oh, they become a real jerk or their personality has really changed. And actually what we see is we see that the that the demonic kingdom is being exposed here layer by layer and level by level by level. 
And now what happened was, is that finally her relatives had to come up because it could no longer be kept secret that, that the whole neighborhood had noticed the trampling or had, had noticed the, the noises that were coming out of their house at night. So this was, just wasn't a whole house thing. This was this was starting to, to go and affect the entire neighborhood. And people were saying, hey, this is starting to get a little embarrassing. Now, when he spoke with her on this one time, too, we start noticing here, too. And this is where we, we get into it. Not only do we know, like, physical affli- afflictions or if there's sicknesses, right? What happens is, is that it says that God leaves saw with spe- with special frequency they saw a lot of times a figure of a woman of this town who had died two years earlier holding a dead child in her arms and what was interesting too is that uh, she reported that she saw this but it says Gottlieb carefully kept her name secret and did not tell it to me until later and what the enemy want to do is the enemy wants to do is remain secret and wants to remain covered and wants to remain unknown but you see this is really not good because it wasn't the uh, just this woman with the dead child that uh, she was seeing that was we're going to see now at this time pastor bloomhart and we're still in the beginning right here he's trying to figure out what's going on is it schizophrenia is it some type of mental illness is there some other ailment that this young lady is going through and of course there's doctors looking metal, medical doctors looking at the same time uh, for this for this young lady but what happened is is that all of a sudden is that these you know these apparitions that would, would uh, that w- would show up would would be talking to Gottlieb Okay, we'll be talking to the young lady, right? And it wasn't just one. It's like, you know, I want to be left alone. Give me a piece of paper and I won't come back. And the thing is, is that, you know, in the beginning, Pastor Bloomhart didn't even know what to, what to tell her. And he said, you know what? He says, well, how, how about just don't talk to her? You know, just just ignore them and they'll go away, right? Well, we're going to see how that works, right? And what happens is, because, you know, at the time there, the only training they had was, well, anything to do with any type of uh, spirits or, you know, what we call spiritual warfare today uh, would lead you into ter- terrible error and foolishness. And I say that now because this, this was the advice that they gave 176 years ago, and it's the same advice that, that they want to give today when people are afflicted or tormented, or they're having nighttime visitors, or there are things visiting them or speaking to them, and it's just like, well, just close the door on it or just ignore it and we'll, and we'll go away. And that's one of the reasons why we're doing this series is what do we do if it doesn't just go away after we shut the door? Now, what was interesting here is at the same time, and more and more people were hearing these noises that were going on at the house, and you know, and, and the quote-unquote haunted house was already starting to draw a lot of interest. Like we said, the entire, first it was just the people on the street, and then all of a sudden the entire village were hearing and seeing things. And what happened was, is it started, it, it started to take a circus atmosphere while they're trying to do their investigation. And so what happened was, is they also went into prayer, and Pastor Bloomhart went into prayer. And what happened here, too, is that, you know, at one point you see that the enemy's here, but the Holy Spirit was leading them step by step and piece by piece, too, because what would happen is, as soon as one person started hearing the noises one night, there, there was a shimmer of light, and they discovered half a piece of paper under a bed. Okay. Now, what I want to point out about this too is that Gottlieb and her sisters, you know, they were they were either nurses. She was a paid maid in a house. These were very cleanly people, right? They didn't have a lot of stuff laying around, and by the fact, because of their poverty, they didn't have a lot of stuff anyway. So, but the the thing is, is that all of a sudden something would be revealed, and there, there would just be a light shining on on these pieces of paper with coins wrapped up in them, witchcraft written on the outside. And this was the first time where they go, you know what? This is interesting because this sort of stuff is usually only done in magic and what happened is there was another light flickering on the floor behind the stove and there was a whole number of things which had been buried there 
Now, this is where we get into the burial people, you know, and there was uh, little maces, chalk, salt, bones, you know, little maces. Maces are like little clubs or little things to grind things like pestles and everything. Powders wrapped up and they started noticing all this and they're like, hey, wait a minute. We're getting into like some common and not so not so common folk magic. We're not just dealing with a crazy young lady. There's something going on here. Somehow these magical objects or these accursed objects are showing up in the house here and nobody's knowing how they're getting there and they look like they've been there a long time, but nobody's seen them. And what happened was, is as they're trying to do their uh, do their research or do their uh, investigation, it goes just just to a pure circus here. And I want to say this again, right? Tourists began arriving out of curiosity, and this was from everywhere in Germany and everywhere around Europe because word had traveled very fast. Now the problem was, is that when they would come to help this young lady, come to do their investigation, the house would be full of people. No kidding. There are many examples where they talk about, well, we try to come in everything, but the living room would be so full of people, it would be hard to move. Okay, because everybody wanted to stand there and see if they could uh, see if they could hear a sound or, or hear or hear a noise. Now, what would happen was, is there were still spirits that would scuffle around the house. The people back then, they thought that they were speaking, actually speaking to the dead person. You know, it would come up and, hey, look, there's May, you know, there's Carl Utrecht, there's Inga, right? And it's like, wow, look, hey, it's the spirit of Inga. But what it was is actually just spirits that were in them. But they didn't know that back then. And this is what they're learning. And so what they, first thing they try to do, well, they go, well, let's just try to move the house or try something else. And they noticed that all of these afflictions were following Gottlieben around and it was still was still in her. Now, this poor Gottlieben, what was happening is you, you have a house full of people and all of a sudden something manifests and what would happen was is that she would fall into these convulsions and she would sit there and shake and it would almost be like an epileptic fit. And when I was 19 years old and witnessed my first uh, mass deliverance and everything and I started seeing people starting to manifest, I had never known that there were so many epileptic people in one church before in my life. I thought, wow, there's a lot of people in this church that have cases of epilepsy epilepsy, right? And it wasn't that. So what they finally found out is they found out they found one of the final burials in the house. And what was interesting here too is you see when you read between the lines, you see what the enemy is doing here, right? And you see they started discovering or the Holy Spirit starts uncovering all all these coins, curses, witchcraft, uh, you know, occult objects or whatever. And the first thing the enemy did was that you know what, we're going to overrun it with people and distract them so much that they don't find this. Because when they found this stuff and and, and dug it up and they would pray over it, you know, it, it seemed to break the power of this. So what happened there was is that they would go and they would start breaking these curses and everything, and then she would fall again into the violent convulsions, and there would only there would only be like five minute pauses between these uh, convulsions. And so here here is Bloomhart, the, the Lutheran pastor. He's like, wow, what do we do with this here now too? And you know he had talked with Gottlieb, and he says, hey, did you confess your sins? Have you been to church? You know, did you do this? Did you praise God? And, and he really he went down this list of, you know, good works or good little things to do, right? And it got really bad. And what happened is that then there was a time where, you know, where, where foam would be coming out, of, coming out of her mouth, you know, and she would she would be twisting and turning and and, and, and her body would be moving in, in ways that a body really shouldn't be moving, right? And then all of a sudden she would, she would wake up and she would sit up and drink some water. She would totally be herself. It's like somebody else then, then that was manifesting on the bed. Now what happened is that it came to a point too, and after they had done everything, 
And after they found out she's not crazy, she's not sick, right? You know, they've got everybody coming into the house. We don't know where these sounds are coming from. It's not fake and everything. There came a part too, is like when he went and he says, you know what? I found her in a terrible condition on a Sunday. I sat down way far away from her and she twisted her arms and turned her head head to the side and bent her body up high. Foam flowed again from, uh, from out of her mouth. It had become clear to me that something demonic played a role here after what had happened so far. And it hurt me to think that there should be no means to help in such a horrible affair. And this was a highly trained, well-trained, theologically trained pastor there. Read his Bible a lot. And you ever notice this, people, and I ask this too in, in, in other broadcasts, I ask this question, here's a man who read his Bible a lot, but you know all the deli- deliverance scriptures happen to be blinded from him. And, and it's interesting there, too, because, like, you know, I had read parts of the Bible when I, you know, got into it and had been a longtime Christian and you know, whatever. And then all of a sudden you start reading the Bible and then it starts coming up, up and off the page. And you're like, wow. But you see, up until this point, it, it, it's like, you know, hadn't he ever read Luke 10, 19? I'm sure he had read Luke 10, 19 probably hundreds of times, but it was it, it was never open to him. And so here's the point here, too. It's like, well, we, you know, we talk about this, you know, all-powerful, all-around, you know, all-knowing God. But here we get to a case where it seems to be helpless here or a helpless case uh, that that's happening, you know. After he realized, he, he, goes, he, he goes, wait a minute here. We serve the Most High God. We have nothing here to help this here. And it says, you know what, in that moment, a sort of wrath gripped me. A sort of wrath gripped me. And what he did is he jumped forward and took her hands and he said to her, fold your hands and pray, Lord Jesus, help me. Lord Jesus, help me. We've seen what the devil can do. Now we also want to see what Jesus can do. And you know what? After hours and hours of the foam and the twisting of the body and the manifesting, right? Okay. As soon as they prayed in Jesus' name, after a few moments, she awakened. She prayed those words after me and all convulsions ceased to the great surprise of everybody that was present. Okay. And what they had just learned there is like, you know what? We can pray. We can pray, Lord Jesus, help me. And it can get the demons to back off. Now, at this point here, it's like, well, it didn't get the demons out, but they're like, wow, we were powerless over these convulsions, these seeking God. And all of a sudden, it's like, you know what? Call on the Lord Jesus Christ. And what happened is all convulsions cease, cease to stop. And everybody's like, what? What just happened here? And you can bet that everybody wrote that down in their notebooks. Right, because everybody had been sit- sitting there, all the doctors too, trying to go through all this here too, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, we pray, "Lord Jesus, help me!" And it's after a few moment- moments, everything stops. We call that—that's the proof in the pudding, people. That's the proof in the pudding there. Yes, and by the way, they had experience, and that's the way the devil and and all those who serve him—they always want to come back and say, "Well, that was just your experience or anything." Hey, you know what? It's that's the working of the living God. And this is how the Lord does it. You're going to see how the Lord works a lot here, too, as you go forward, bit by bit in this. How does the Lord work, right? Well, what ha- uh, what happens is, is that uh, they prayed for her some more. Things became really calm. And then all of a sudden, you know, and now look at the, how the enemy does it. They came back with convulsions and seizures that were worse than before. And now what the enemy wants to tell people is as you go forward into this and it's like, well, the convulsions get worse or whatever, they say, look, you're just making it worse. And that is a lie of the devil. And you cannot allow that to go because it wants to slow you. It wants to stop you. It wants to put you backwards right like that. Okay? Just like Bloomheart. And this is what why we're so thankful for this book here, too. If you're new to deliverance and you're just listening to this now, praise God. Because, you know, there are so many people that are knocked out of the way or they feel powerless or they try. They pray in Jesus' name or they try what they can do. 
And for a while, the demons back off, but it, but then it's like, okay, you know, or, or the demons sink down back into the person, we say, right? And then they come up and they try to make the effects worse to scare you. And don't let the enemy do that to you, okay? Because, so what do they do? And this, see, this is the thing they learned, right? So what ha- What did they do? And seriously, it, it came really bad. And so what happened is, is Bloomheart again, immediately I tried the above procedure and the effect was the same within moments. You see, it's not a one-time thing here. Well, well, that just happened one time. What the Lord was showing them here, too, is that every time this come back, comes back, and even though it seems to get worse right now in the battle here, even though it seems to get worse, you come right back with the name of Jesus, and you keep crying out to Jesus for help. And that was step number one for these folks, okay? I love it. The first thing the Holy Spirit did was take away every excuse. He took away the medical excuses. He took all the secular excuses away. And then when it came down to it, he says, you know what? Just call to me in Jesus. Jesus' name. And look at that, within moments, okay, the same, it calmed down within moments, okay? And he says, I was just about to leave when she suddenly fell backwards on her bed. Immediately, I made her call out the same words, Lord Jesus, help me. Although she could hardly get them out. Now, this is something, too, that they thought, well, we got to have her pray this, okay? Right? And she could hardly get the words out, but, she, but as soon as she could pray that, she came to again, and the convulsions did not break out again. Only at that moment, the whole thing started all over, and thus it continued for three hours. And you see, do you notice how this is here? They started off, the demons got pushed back, and then they're like, okay, well, we're going to see how much you really believe this now. But they were given enough, enough encouragement, right? So they prayed three hours until she called out, now I am quite well. Incredible. She had a quiet night then, and the whole next day until the, the fits started again at nine o'clock that night. Now, notice, she's been having these break, uh, these manifestations and breakouts continuously for five-minute interviews, and now that they start praying, that they start praying out for, to the Lord Jesus for help, all these fits and convulsions back off, right? Now, today, if this would happen here, too, they would probably put her in the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota, right? And wow, so... And they'd watch her and watch her. And see, that's the point is when they watch and watch, but they can't figure out an answer, even though they're the best. So what happened was, is Bloomheart's noticing something here too. It says, he said, it could already be noticed that something hostile in her was directing itself against me. I love how this is written here too. I think there's something hostile there. And then he goes on to explain, yeah, she was trying to scratch out my eyes, you know. She was trying to rip out both of my eyes. She was trying to punch me, trying to hit me. And he just said, you know what, I, I, he prayed short prayers. Uh, he prayed short prayers after Bible verses and did not pay attention to the threats, which just made the enemy angrier, right? But what happened was, you know, some of the people that were around it, they got a couple hits, but hey, take a hit. And that's what it is. That's what makes deliverance fun sometimes. Just watch out for the claws and watch out for the teeth marks, right? And so what happened was, is at this time here too, we noticed that the enemy really opens the floodgates because all of her hedges, now there, there's, a, there's a supernatural hedge that the Lord puts a, around our mind between us and the spiritual world. Okay, because afterwards, now Gottlieb reported afterwards, she reportedly saw all sorts of figures in front of her which did not leave her until after a while. Now, notice this. Now, we know this today, folks, that these are demons. These are demons that have occupied the people there, and basically they're, they're mimicking the personality and the voice and the mannerisms of people that they were probably in for decades, if not lifetimes or before, right? You know what? There were a lot of demon spirits there, and they came up. And the incredible thing is, and we're going to read this again and again and again, Gottlieb was not the only one seeing this. Nurses that were around, people that would come in and check in on the situation, they're like, uh, who's that right now? 
right? And so what happened is it's written here, this continued repeat, repeatedly with interruptions of one to three days. And at the end of this, at the end, this kind of convulsions ceased entirely. Okay, folks? Now notice, and this was just the time with all they need, knew to do was to call out, Lord Jesus, help me. Okay, and so that's a thing there too, and you know that's one thing about deliverance too. Now manifesting, but we we got people manifesting all the time, and there is a difference between man, uh, a manifestation, okay, and deliverance. And the thing is, is like we were always taught too. It says no difference, no deliverance, because stuff can manifest all the time. And you notice how it went down; it went down gradually in her with what they had. Bloomhart wrote here too. I was already beginning to have hope when I was told that one could hear the same knocking as with fingers around Gottlieben. Wow. Then suddenly, now notice, the enemy starts pointing their rage at her. Then suddenly she would receive a blow on the chest and would sink back, and then she would see the same female figure which she had seen in her whole apartment. Remember the woman with the dead baby? Yeah. Later on, we're going to see the woman with two dead babies, right? Okay. And so, yeah, and watch that one. There are spirits that do that. They go around, right? Miscarriages, you know, infertility, wow, hatred of children coming, you know, that, you know, the spirit of abortion. You know, a lot of people that say, oh, well, I'm against abortion. I'm against abortion. Well, let me encourage you, brothers and sisters, bind up abortion in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and bind up all the demonic spirits backing it, funding it, financing it, everything, right? And so, you know, according to God, leaving now, the figure or, or this th this figure that was appearing was that of a widow who had died two years before and had no relatives. She had only left two sisters who are dead by now. And when she was on her deathbed, her conscience bothered her a great deal and she confessed serious sins to me but found little peace before she died. Okay, that tells us a lot there too, but we're going to go on for the sake of time. Now, the thing is, and I want to repeat this again, this was not that woman, but at this point, they didn't know that. Back then, they were still, you know, they were still like, well, gee, is, you know, they were still wrestling out with, is purgatory real or not, right? Uh, he took, we always took witnesses with him, right? And all of a sudden, he would show up and all of a sudden, they would say that they would all start hearing spooky noises, it came to the point to where there was a policeman who lived across the street from Gottlieb, and they had to basically block off the house and not, not allow tourists to come by anymore. Now, what happened was she was laying there in her bed, and she was conscious, and she felt no trouble, and suddenly it seemed as if something went into her, right, and her whole body got into motion, right? And then I prayed some and mentioned the name of Jesus, there again, okay, whoops, name of Jesus works, let's use it again, see if we can get it to back off, right? And immediate, immediately she rolled her eyes, she banged her hands together and said with a voice which could instantly be recognized as not being hers. That's when, this is when the, when the voices start speaking out of her, right? And it was not her, and the voice said, I cannot stand to hear that name. Probably in that tone with my deep one, right? She's probably a nice young German girl or something like that. And I, I cannot stand to hear that name. And everybody was horrified, it says. Pastor Bloomhart wrote, I had never heard anything like it and silently, <laughs> silently turned to God that he might grant me wisdom and caution and guard me especially from untimely curiosity and probably untimely death too, right? Right, the voice speaks out. Finally, I dared to ask them questions with the firm resolution, right? He's like, you know what? I can't play with this. We shouldn't be talking. You know, he, he thought here, well, we shouldn't be talking to spirits, but he's like, okay. And so he asked, he says, you know, in reference to that woman, because he, he, he knew her, he, go, he goes, well, don't you rest in the grave? And the voice answered back out and said, no. And he asked, why not? He answered back, well, this is the reward for my deeds. You know, he goes, didn't you confess all your sins to me? 
And then the, the spirit answers back out and says, no, I murdered two children and I, I buried them in the field. Now, this gets a little bit more interesting, folks, when we realize that this is a, is a demon. And do we have demons out there that are killing kids? Absolutely, positively. I would really like to get behind more or do more research on sudden infant death syndrome. You know that unexplained death where all of a sudden babies just die or stop breathing? That's a horrible thing, right? And then the, and then the parents have to go through so much too, right? You know, yeah, they, uh, it, okay, we got to go on with that. But it says, you know, he's talking to this demon and says, no, I murdered two children and I buried them in the field. And Bloomheart responded, don't you know any of any help now? Can't you pray? <laughs> Asking a demon if it can pray. And the demon responded, I cannot pray. Well, don't you know Jesus who forgives sins? <laughs> and the demon responds, I can't stand to hear that name. Okay. And Pastor Bloomheart asked back, he says, well, are you alone? And the answer was no. And so Pastor Bloomheart asked, he goes, well, uh, who's with you? And the voice answered with hesitation, the worst of all. Okay, well, the conversation continued thus for a while, and the talking person accused herself of magic for whose sake she was bound to the devil. Now, remember, at this point, you have to remember that it's a demon, okay, and not everything that he's saying to Bloomheart here is true. He's trying to sell the same line that, you know, they were trying to put the fear into people that, well, when you die uh, and you're bound to the devil, well, then you're ours and we can use you. And the demon replied that it had already already seven times had gone, already seven times she said she had gone out, but now she would she would not go out anymore. Okay. I asked her whether I might pray for her. She did not allow me to do so until after some cogitation is written in the book, folks. Cogitation? Yeah. That's not so gentle prodding. And that's good. So, uh, deliverance workers out there, please uh, use a lot of cogitation in your uh, in your repertoire, okay? And a lot of cogitation, saying, you know what, you got to do this, right? And I made her understand that she could not and was not allowed to remain in the body of Gottlieben. And she implored me pitifully, and then again, defiantly. But I told her with a serious voice to come out of her. Now, notice this, folks. We're moving up a level. Pastor Bloomheart just moved up a little on the Holy Spirit scale here because you know what? He wasn't using the name of Jesus just to get, just to get the demons to back off now. It's like, yeah, you back off. And you get out now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is a big shift. And we're going to see that too. And the enemy does not like that when you command them to get out. Cast them out in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Right? And so he commanded her to come out. Right? And so what happened was they kept going, going back and forth on this. And several days later, the seeming, the seeming possession was repeated, although I did not get involved in another conversation. And that's a good thing. It's like, we're through talking, demon. It's time for you to go, manifest and go in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. By the way, any other spirits here, too, we just covered this entire broadcast with the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we call down the Holy Spirit, too, just to sovereignly uh, uh, heal and deliver the people at the same exact time. And any, any connected or related demons in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we rebuke you and you're commanded to go. Now, look at this. Soon it appeared that on this wise, three demons then seven, and finally 14 demons came out. Gottlieb's face changed each time and assumed a new threatening expression towards me. And yes, the demons can do this. You know, some places would say, well, this is like a multiple personality dis disorder. It's a multiple demonic disorder. Okay, because th this was like 14, they counted at least 14 different personalities, right? Right? Threatening personalities, by the way. Also, many threatening words were spoken against me to which I did not pay attention. 
Welcome to the deliverance world, right? Okay. Those present, even the mayor, received many a knock and fist blow. Okay. And so whatever we see here too, it's like, that's another thing too, where they're, they're going to finally learn how to, how to hold the people so that they do not hurt the people, but they don't allow, they don't allow uh, the demon to beat them up. Okay. Been a lot of those over the course of my life. Here and there, she tore her hair, threw her head against the wall, and tried to hurt herself in many ways. And you know what? There's great ways to hold people, too, you know? Uh, one thing that we, we, we've encountered on the deliverance floor when we've prayed for people is that all of a sudden the spirits want, want people to start banging their heads against the floor. People, this is solved by a pillow. This is solved by putting a roll of paper towels un, under their head, you know, a blanket or whatever else like that, right? Don't let the enemy do that, okay? Because people, you can't be banging your heads on stuff, right? This causes, I mean, this causes concussion. This causes bad stuff to happen, right? Okay, and tried to hurt herself in many ways. We've had people eating matches, drinking dishwasher soap, oh, people trying to cut themselves, right? And you see that you keep all that away. And one of the easiest ways to hold somebody, especially if you're on the floor, right, where you're going you're gonna to protect the person from themselves and the spirit, right, is you know what? Just put, just put their arm underneath your armpit, right? And have, and have your arm right there, okay? Don't put weight on their arms or their joints and people want to twist and people want to use their joints jiu-jitsu moves and you know do the old arm bar and everything like that you know and it's uh yeah don't uh, don't get in that because you're going to hurt people on that but they're learning we all learn like we were told a lot of times you are either the quick or the bitten and everybody has everybody has lots of rug burns and bite marks until you learn how to move but now notice this so there was you know trying to hurt herself in many ways trying to hurt people but you know what it says here now watch this folks however with simple words i could rebuke every movement until at least she remained quiet whereupon the command to go out was obeyed by the demons this is a turning point in deliverance history in bloomhart's battle because not only do we use the name of jesus to back him up hey back up jack back up and back off in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, right? Okay. And you don't have to be nice and cute people with them. Okay. You did back up. But the other thing was too, it's like, you know what? We cast you out in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's where things get serious. So now notice this, this here too, it's like, wow, then the demons, you know, when we start really realizing in the Bible, they have to have to obey that Luke 10, 19, where it says, behold, I give you power over all the powers of the enemy. And this is why when we're, when we're in battles, when we're praying people, when we're praying back and forth, right, we bind them to our authority in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay. Behold, I give you power. That's the words of Jesus. They're read in the Bible. Luke 10, 19. Behold, I give you power. You have been given authority in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to come over this stuff and to come against it. Okay. And you notice here too, notice how the enemy kind of kept upping its game and, and got a little whatever. Well, notice how the Holy Spirit just keeps going, you know what? The harder you struggle, enemy, the more I, I'm revealing to these people so that they can get free. Now, there's a point here. I want to I point this out here because it's very important. Now, notice this. They notice the name of Jesus. They're coming here. They're gaining ground. Bloomheart and the people there, they're having victory. Gottlieb is getting free. Okay? Now, notice what happens here next because there are so many things. How does God keep fortifying and, and arming us? Praise the Lord and hallelujah. But at the same time, we see the reality of is that, yep, there, you know, uh, like it's been said one time, another level, another devil. And how the enemy wants to come back at us. Now, I want you to notice this here, too. Pastor Bloomhart writes, he says, Nevertheless, it seemed that the scenes became ever more horrible and as if my work made the whole thing only worse. And why do you think the enemy was pushing on him with that one, folks? You're just making it worse. 
You're just making it worse. You're just hurting them. You're not doing really good here. What are people going to say when they find out that you're doing this here? Okay, this is the subtle snake voice of the enemy, folks, and don't fall for that, right? And it's just like this here. Now, watch what happened, okay? I want you to really look on how the enemy is pulling. They're pulling a mind game. They're pulling a mind game on him. They're playing on his mind. They're playing on his will. I don't want to do this anymore. They're playing on his emotions. They want to put in fear. They want to get all these other thoughts to get him distracted and away from this. The demons are not sitting there passively. They will send stuff after you psychically. They will send stuff after you to fill you all full of all sorts of thoughts and prayers. All the way from, hey, did you remember to turn off the bathtub at home before you left for church today? Did you turn off the iron? Is that what's going on? And, you know, if they can't get, get you with that, they're going to do other things, you you know, there's even the point where you're going to be sitting down there praying and all of a sudden the thoughts are going to wander off going, hey, where are we going to eat lunch today after the workshop? You know, it's like, no, you're in the middle of battle. You got to be here. But let's go back to the 1840s people, right? The thing is, is that things seem to get, get more horrible and my work made the whole thing only worse. Oh no, dear Bloomheart. Okay. You didn't just hit the bee's nest. You hit the piranha's nest. You hit the piranha nest. And Bloomheart says again, what I suffered in my spirit and soul at that time cannot be expressed in any words. I really wish he would have tried. But those of, but those of us that have been through that, when the enemy tries pressing on our soul, when the enemy tries pressing on our spirit, right? Now look at this here. How are they pressing? My desire to end the whole thing became ever stronger. Wait a minute. Time out. Time out. My desire to end the whole thing became even stronger? You're winning, bro. Pastor Bloomhart, you're, you're winning. You've just learned, you and your crew have just learned what to do here. What is trying to tell you to quit right now? And now, and while making such a point of this, folks, here too, is that there were so many people and they, and they would be going forward and they would, get, they would get victory and all of a sudden we wouldn't see them anymore and they'd quit and there'd be a distraction here or destruction there and, or something would come, right? And, oh, there would always be some silver-tongued devil come up and say, well, you don't really need to do that, okay? And you know what? And it's, it's like, wait a minute, you were winning. And you see, that's what the enemy wants to do is when you're winning and going forward, yeah, it's going to get kind of rough at times, but all of a sudden it's like, well, you know, let's just quit. Now, let's just watch this, okay? My desire to end the whole thing became ever stronger. You've got to be creating. You've got the Holy Spirit raining down upon you, showing you step by step on how to deal with this and come through it. And you've just learned how to cast out demons in Jesus' name. And you know what? I have seen so many people in my short life and in my short walk in deliverance, chuckle, chuckle, right? And they just get going with the Lord and they get power and authority and something drags them away. A greater ministry, a greater calling, the call of humanity, save the tuna. I could go down an entire list here, right? And something just has them stop. And this is why we talk about this, right? They, hey, what the enemy does today, he was doing 176 years ago, folks, right? But now look at this here, too. Now, let's keep, I'm just going to try to keep reading here. For I could leave each time with the satisfaction that the demon powers had to obey, and the person was made completely right each time. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. Hey, praise God. I can sit here and pray. We can rebuke it in Jesus' name. We can cast stuff out in Jesus' name, right? And the person would be better and they would get help. Isn't that great? Those of you that have received deliverance, you're like, ah, oh, praise God, that felt really good. Yet it seemed as though the sinister power became stronger again and again. And I felt as though it was trying to ensnare me in a labyrinth to my own and my pastoral works damage and ruin. There you go. Okay, there you go. Let me give you a helpful sentence on this one when the enemy starts playing with your, with your mind like that. Ready? Are you ready? Liar, liar, pants on fire. 
right? Yep, say it like that. Just say it like that. Liar, liar, pants on fire, right? Oh, we're going we're gonna to ruin your ministry. We're going to ruin you. We're going to do all this. That is just a threat of the enemy to, to have you quit. Notice everything here speaks, wow, well, there was victory and people are feeling better and, hey, people are getting delivered in the name of the Lord, right? But what happened was... You know, they always felt these snares, and we need to cut away these snares. And no, I'm not making fun of Pastor Bloomhart. He is learning step by step. After my very first uh, mass deliverance session where we were at a workshop, we're back at the hotel with a friend of mine. My first question after that was, where do the demons go? Where do the demons go? And I'm like, are they under my bed? Are they in the closet? Where they Are they waiting for me somewhere? You know, we really beat some of the enemy. Are they going to be waiting for us outside the church behind a corner somewhere? Right? And they want to come with their threats. And notice this was in his mind and in his, in his emotions. And it was in his soul. And it was going after his heart. Okay? Mind, will, emotions, and the heart. And the enemy was pouring it on because they needed him to quit. Now look at this here too. It says, my own pastoral's works damage and ruin. All my friends advise me to leave, leave the matter alone. Well, thank you, friends. We know, you know, we got Job's friends in the Bible. Remember Job's friends, right? They heard Job was having a hard time, so they all thought they would jump into the camel, you know, jump in that four-door camel and just ride on down the road and, and uh, go, you know, just go set Job straight. And when they got there and saw what was really going on, they sat there for a week leaning up against the wall because they, they, couldn't, they couldn't even imagine the horror. All my friends advised me to leave the matter alone. You're going to have friends and family to, to leave you alone. And it's like, you know what? I know what's going on with me, and I need to get free, okay? The enemy will find 10,000 different ways to discourage you. And yes, it'll be friends, it'll be family, it'll be whatever, because the enemy knows they can do that, and the enemy will use that because they'll know it's the, it's the closest. You know, if it was just some guy across the street saying, hey, Elvis, why don't you give that deliverance stuff up? I'd be like, yeah, catch you later, see you, don't want to be you, right? You, you, don't even, you don't even worry about them, right? Okay, but then it gets really close, and you're like, ooh, and it gets real tougher. And that's why the Holy Spirit takes us through schools, right? This is why we go through schools of listening, right, and where God encourages us. I have been made many offers to quit. Shortly before I moved over here to Germany, I was offered a great job with great money and everything else like that. Okay, I was. Sat on an airplane. Sat on an airplane. Person sitting next to me was from another company of what I did. They were looking for people who I was doing. They were really impre impressed where I was working in downtown Los Angeles and basically offered the golden ticket. I lifted it up to God and it is very interesting how God took care of that gold golden ticket in a very short time. It disappeared. Wow. Okay. Now look at this here too. All of his friends told me to leave the matter alone, but I had to think with horror of what would become of the person if I withdrew my hand from her and how much I, if things went wrong, would stand accused before everyone as the cause of it all. He was afraid that he was going to get blamed for the whole thing. See how the demon set that up? Yeah, you know what's going to happen? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, if you don't back off, we're going to, you know, if you don't back off, we're going to do bad things. But if you do back, if you do back off, we'll make it worse, and we're going to blame everything on you. Yeah, the enemy knows how to do that, don't they, folks? So what are you going to do, right? The thing is, is keep going forward. I felt myself in a net out of which I could not possibly get myself out of by merely retreating without danger to myself and others. Do you see that too? Because you know the enemy was threatening him and his wife and his kids. Okay, probably his church. He loved his church, right? Threatened all that. So the, the enemy is going to go, it went and was trying to put their finger on everything precious and important in his life to get him to back off. Now, let's take a pause. Deep breath. Breathe with me for a second. Where did this all come from? 
the enemy started speaking like this when he started casting stuff out in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. He had just sent an atomic shockwave through the entire spiritual world saying, you know what, we're loaded now. We have the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, okay, and the Holy Spirit's still teaching. Now, the enemy knew, the demons knew that they couldn't attack God or the Holy Spirit, right? So they, they said, you know what, let's attack the weakest link. Let's attack the human being. Let's attack their minds, their emotions. Let's flood them with fears. I have seen so many people. The enemy comes with the smallest of fears, or the enemy comes with different fears or concerns like that and scare, scares these people away. I've seen people approaching the biggest breakthroughs in their life, and then they, yeah, they either lay down and die, right? You know, uh, there's a, and they lay down and die, and they just, yeah, anyway, they quit. Now, here we go. Now, look at this here, too. I felt ashamed before myself and my Savior, you know, to whom I prayed so much, and, and in whom I trusted so much, and who had given me so many proofs of his self, right? And I felt ashamed to give unto the devil. How can I give into the devil when God and Jesus Christ had given me so much and had given me so many proofs of his help, you know? And I love it when the Holy Spirit's there, too. You see, there was a real battle for his soul. And I know this, folks, because when I got involved in deliverance at 19 years old and went forward, too, for that next year, there was an incredible battle for my soul. And you know what? It wasn't all, it wasn't all misery and suffering, right? It wasn't all misery and suffering. There were good things, too. There's, there's a lot of times where the enemy will come and want to tempt you with good, right? Distract you with good. And you are going to have to know, and you are going to have to decide the difference between, you know, uh, have the discernment between good and good. And so what happened then, folks, is, you know, all this here, too, is that notice how the enemy really pushed on to quit. And, you know, but it's really with the Holy Spirit, and he came to himself, and he would say to himself, well, who is the Lord? And with faith in him, who is the Lord? And you know what? He kept praying, and he kept hearing in his spirit, forward, forward. Because people, when you're in the battle like this, and Jesus is helping you out, there is only one direction, and that direction is forward. When the nation of Israel was coming out of Egypt, there was one direction. It was forward, okay? Uh, Pharaoh and his chariots were behind, and yes, there was an act of God, but they were to go forward and forward through the wilderness, right? Forward. Because you know what, there's a time, you know, there's a time when you're working on the plow and then when you turn back, it's like, you know, there are times when it's no turning back. And now look at this, it has, it, it has to lead to a good end, even though it will lead into the deepest depths, unless it were not true that Jesus had crushed the head of the serpent. Now, after those 14 demons had been expelled, the number climbed quickly to 175, then to 425. I cannot give a detailed description of the individual scenes since everything happened too quickly and was too compressed together to remember details. Now, I want to point something out here, folks, on the counting of numbers. We are always very tempted as, uh, as humans to go, well, was it seven demons? He cast seven demons out of, uh, out, out of Mary, right? Well, notice here, it went you know, from that 14 to 175, 425. I think there's a 1,000-something coming up later in the story here. We're always tempted to count. And you don't, want, don't worry about the counting. Okay, you're you're probably casting out more spirits than you can count anyway. And and as he found out, and as Pastor Bloomheart also finds out in time, right? Pastor Bloomheart fi uh, finds out, right? There was just thousands, and it's like you know what? So he just kept praying. You keep praying and let the Holy Spirit worry about the numbers if he's worried about it. Now what happened? Now after uh, um now 
After the last of those battles, quietness came for several days. Now notice this, folks. There's a time. God knows how much we can do. He knows how much battle we can do. He knows how much rest that we need. And you know what? Quietness came for several days. And you see, there was a big breakthrough there. And always the battle is always the heaviest right before the big breakthrough, folks. We want, want you to really look at that because sometimes it gets bad, the stress gets bad, and it's like, no, I'm not quitting through this, or you know what, if I'm going to quit, I'm going to wait until I get through the dark clouds and break out on the sunshine on the other side, and then and then see how things are, right? But now what happened is, is after this quiet of, of several days, it says, but at night, many figures pressed around the bed of Gottlieben, according to her statement. Also, get this, folks, wasn't just Gottlieben. A nurse said she had seen several figures at that time. And what happened was we have a story here of like well, one night there was a spirit that grabbed her neck by a burning hand, which left large burns on her neck that took, took a long time to heal, right? The doctor who came next day could not refrain from marveling at the wounds on her neck and it didn't heal for several weeks. Now also, now notice what the, what the enemy would, would do here too. It says, besides that, she also received blows to on her side and on her head day and night. Or she was seized by her feet so that she would suddenly fall down either on the street or on a staircase or whatever it might be. This resulted in bruises bruises and other in injuries. We had this with a person at our church too, right? And, and it's a, you know sporty athletic person too and they they would be going along down the street and out of nowhere they would just trip and i was even with them one time and i'm like what did you just trip over and you know and, and yeah and, and they even broke their thumb one time just tripping and falling down right and these weren't like clumsy people right the most difficult night i had was before the 25th of july 1842 i battled from eight o'clock in the evening until four o'clock in the morning without finishing to my satisfaction eight hours of going back and forth with the enemy wow Okay. Hey, and it, people, it wasn't until like the 70s, 1970s around there that they learned that they could bind the spirits, folks. They were praying this way like well up into the 1970s until they learned they could bind the spirits and come back. Whoever saw her felt great pity. She beat her chest to pieces, tore her hair out, and bent herself like a worm and seemed to be completely a completely lost case. I didn't get a chance to visit her until 8 o'clock in the morning, but I was really building myself up with reading and, and Bible study. Strengthened by these words, I returned to the, to the suffering one. Now, everything seemed to go well till about uh, 11 o'clock. However, in the afternoon, I had to return, and now it continued until 7 o'clock at night, but in such a way that suddenly the demons began leaving through the mouth. Okay? Another another breakthrough, folks, right? She lay as dead for about a quarter of an hour. Remember, she would stop breathing, and everything would stop, even stop breathing for five to 15-minute periods, right? People from the street were calling out, well, she's dead now, you know, because there, there weren't being any noises, and there weren't being any sounds made, right? So everybody figured, well, she's dead after all that. Now, after many a violent twitch in the upper part of her body, she opened wide her mouth, and it was as if she spewed out one demon after another. The demon always went out in groups, mostly in 14 or 28 each. I don't know how they counted. And they seemed to go into the thousands without a word from me. You see, something really big broke here, and they had to go. Do you see the great victory here where it's like they said demons were going out by the thousands from here? Do you see why they were pressing on Bloomheart so hard? Do you see why they were trying to get him to quit? Why they try to get you to quit, right? Because they know that if you keep praying in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, right, binding stuff up in Canada to come out in the name of the Lord, that it has to come out. Now look at this here too. Finally, it stopped. Now a significant period seemed to have begun 
for several weeks, nothing worth mentioning happened for weeks, people. There was some heavenly weapon that went off in the camp of the enemy, in the battle lines of the enemy, where they came out by thousands. And I promise you, folks, it was a bigger number than that, because if if they were counting that way, there's always so much more there. And again, we don't know what it is. I want to encourage you to not waste your time trying to count. You know, don't count. Just cast it out until you're done. Several weeks, nothing happened. And I was glad during that time, right? I would never have guessed what was just about to follow. Now, after a period of rest, the patient came to me, pale and disfigured, in countenance to tell me something which she had kept from me until now out of shyness, but which she could no longer keep secret. And I have a personal hatred for this part here, too. Not for this, but against the demons here, right? Okay. It's that she finally came and out of shyness, and can I translate that word? Out of shame and embarrassment. Peinlichkeit, we say in German. Out of shame, and she was really ashamed and embarrassment, right? But which she could no longer keep secret. She hesitated for a while, and I was anxiously wondering, until finally she began telling me the following. Now watch this, folks. For already the last two years, she had been tortured by spirit-like like figures every Wednesday and every Friday until she had painful and strong hemorrhages, okay? Painful and strong bleedings, right? Every Wednesday, every Friday for the last two years while all this has been going on, right? Usually the plague of this sexual assault had lasted three hours and she had suffered inexpressible pains through it. She had told the doctor of these hemorrhages. He had tried all sorts of medical means without being able to bring about her healing. The plague had stopped the day I had seriously taken her into consideration for the first time. But since those last days of battle, remember when everything was coming out that we just went through, right? It had started again, right? They brought these guys back, right? On the days mentioned, she always had to go to bed in horror. And when the plague came upon her, right? When these three demonic spirits came upon her, she could only groan, unable to move even the slightest bit. Now, we hear this a lot, right? With, for, uh, you know, from nighttime visitors or sleep paralysis at times, right? All across the world. By the, by the way, this is the same all across the world. And I've seen this and I've prayed this for people too, right? And they have the sleep paralysis and there's always either the old hag, some spirit that looks like this old hag woman, or there's this man or whatever else like that. They come with sexual assault or just to say it plainly, rape. And it was horrific, okay? She could only groan and unable to move in the slightest bit. And if this plague did not stop, she said, it would be her death. One could clearly see that she was becoming more emaciated every day during that time. This is horrible. And then she was held in bondage through shame, okay? Shame and embarrassment. She was held in the bondage of silence. Thank God it finally got, got exposed. When you talk about the enemy and tell them the enemy, it exposes them and takes them away. Bloomhart writes, of course, this thing's frightened me considerably since I, I, I had never heard anything like it. What? Yeah, imagine that. Seriously, he had never heard anything like that. I had only heard some vampire fairy tales which have been told in horrible, adventurous ways by writers full of fantasy. Wow, they were doing that back in 1840s, huh? <laughs> they were doing that hundreds of years ago? Absolutely, right? He's seeing in reality what people had only read in vampire fairy tales. Mm-hmm. And everybody today wants to have the vampire fairy tales, right? Okay, I'll go on, right? Later, of course, I heard all sorts of tales which are current among the common people 
especially that children are subject to such plagues, which are ascribed to so-called bad people, that is, witches. Did you hear that, folks? I'm reading from 1843, 176 years ago and longer, right? We're talking over 200 years ago, and it's just as actual as it is today. For the time being, I needed a good bit of time to collect myself and to come to the conclusion that darkness had really received so much power over men. My next thought was, well, now you're finished. Now here's the demons talking to him again. Now you're finished. Now you go into witchcraft and magic, and what will, will you do against these? But when I looked at the wailing girl, I had a horror of the possibility of the existence of that darkness and of the impossibility of help. You see that? And so here's Gottlieb. Finally could bring this out after two years of being raped twice a week by three demons, right? Made to bleed and everything else like that. Okay? This is horrific, folks. And all of a sudden he had the horror. He's like, oh my, he's like, oh God, help me. There's such a big darkness out there and it's just impossible to help them. I remembered that there were people to whom were ascribed secret arts for the defense against all sorts of demonic evils. Yep, all the ones selling all the amulets and talismans and throwing salt over your shoulder, right? All that stuff too, all the voodoo and the hoodoo folks, right? And the sympathetic prescriptions to which is done homage by high and low alike, the rich and the bottom. Just like Simon the Sorcerer in Acts chapter Acts chapter 8, everybody said this is, the back, this is what you need to do to protect yourself from demons because the church can't do it. And I soon remember the warning I was given. I had received it already once when I was considering pinning the name of Jesus on the door of the patient's apartment or doing something like that since it's often difficult to get good advice. Really? Should we read that again? It's often difficult to get good advice. In such thoughts, I read the reading of the community of brethren for that day, which read, I love it. I love how the Holy Spirit led him to this scripture. Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, you are now made perfect in the flesh? You know, you started in the Spirit, so now you're going to do all this little voodoo, hoodoo stuff, and little amulets and charms and everything to keep, you know, you think the devil's too big for you right now? Yes, this is a horrible situation, but you think it's too big for you right now? I understood the hint and praise God who has always led me to stay with the honest weapons of prayer and the word of God. Shouldn't, shouldn't believing prayer be able to pre- prevail against the power of Satan no matter what it consisted of? You know, if I, just, if I pray against this in Jesus' name, what have I learned? And folks, that's what we're going to end with here today too, right? Okay? We're going to end, end that with here today. It's like, you know what? No matter how big the enemy seems to present himself, folks, there's prayer and there's the word of God. And if you don't know what to pray, go to the Psalms. Okay, Psalms 103, uh, 91, 95, 37, 35, 31. Okay, there's so many. The Psalms are loaded with prayers. And this is the encouragement, folks, because people are like, I don't know what to pray. You know what? Pray the Psalms. If you've got nobody else around you, pray the Psalms, because the Psalms are loaded full of warfare. And people wonder, well, how was that ever in the Bible before? Well, you know, don't feel bad. Pastor Bloomhart was the same way. He says, you know what? We've went up a level here. This is horrific. But you know what? God's trained us this far, so we're going to keep using our training. And God gave them even more. And you know what happened? What happened was is that the dreaded Friday was the following day. Okay? And so right before the big breakthrough again, folks, what happened was these three spirits here, when they realized that, you know, something's up and it possibly is going to be we don't get our way with her anymore, they started driving her to suicide. She rushed around mad through the house looking for demanding a knife. And so they kept all the knives away from her because, you know, because she wanted to cut herself and die. 
Her frightened brother and sister would not allow a knife to get into her hands. Then she ran to the attic, jumped on the windowsill, and already stood outside the window. She was going to throw herself from the top of the building there, from the top of their big house there, right? Right when she wanted to throw herself out, lightning lands right in front and claps right in front of it and brings her back to her senses. And she didn't even know what, what she was doing there. And she goes, for God's sake, I don't want to do that. She's like, what's going on here? But she'd see how the enemy just takes things over and takes over the mind and drives people into insanity like this where, you know, this is that was her second suicide attempt. The moment of light disappeared, and in the returning delirium, notice demonic delirium, we break all demonic delirium in Jesus' name, she took hold of a rope. And the thing is, is that nobody in house knew where she got the rope because they didn't have any rope around. And the next thing she did with this rope that showed up out of nowhere, she tied a perfect hangman's noose. And she made a noose which easily pulled tight. And she had nearly forced her whole head into the noose when a second flash of lightning caught her eye through the window. And it brought her back to consciousness. The pastor got to her there. She was extremely exhausted, right? And so she goes, she falls in her bed. And when the pastor came at 8 o'clock that night, I found her swimming in a pool of her own blood, which forced itself through her dress everywhere on the upper part of her body. And then I began to pray seriously while the thunder rolled outside. Can you imagine all that Bible coming out of him? He's just praying, praying away. But the effect after a quarter of an hour, 15 minutes, was so decisive that she called out, now they're gone. And soon she came to completely, and I went out for a few moments until she had changed her dress. And there was only praise and gratitude among us when we saw her so totally changed sitting on her bed. From that day on, the above-mentioned plague ceased. And that's coming against the people in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's and do you notice how the demons really made the attempt to kill her in that moment there? Three different ways. Drive her insane, do it. Kill her now before before the priest gets here. But you know, do you notice how, how how family intervened one time, but the but the Holy Spirit intervened twice? Amen. There we go. Praise the Lord. Father, we pray for the people listening now in Jesus' name. We rebuke the works of the devil. We rebuke all works of suicide in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and all the suicide and desperation that wants to come up and have people stop getting prayer and all these spirits that come against people that want them to stop praying in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We rebuke you in the mighty name of the Lord. We expose you in Jesus' mighty name. We we cover this entire broadcast with the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we pray freedom for the people in Jesus' name, and we cancel and tear down the lies and the discouragement of the enemy, and we pray that in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And let me tell you what, folks, we're going to continue on with a part three here at another time. Hope you've enjoyed these two parts here, but we're going to go into part three, and yes, the devil takes it to another level, and God answers them again. So we're going to look at this, and the next part we're going to look at here, too, is what the devil tries to drive people to do through desperation. So praise the Lord. Thank you much. This has been Pastor Elvis Newhart. I'm pastor of the Hamburg Church of Deliverance. Uh, We'd invite you to come and listen uh, to other broadcasts that we have on the Elvis Newhart Network on YouTube. You can contact us at elvishcd at aol.com. And Sheila, I would really like to thank you for having me tonight on the program here. This is great, and I look forward to us doing part three. Uh, There are so many great points to go through and uh, read on this. So praise the Lord. How about we stop there for today, Sheila? 
Excellent. Thank you so much, Elvis. That was really interesting. And we're really looking forward to part three. Pastor Elvis Newhart, Hamburg Church of Deliverance. The information is up in your screen and it's also there below in the description. Reach out to Elvis and let him know you heard him on the program. There's so much learning in this. What an incredible series. And we look forward to Elvis coming on and doing part three. Thank you for tuning into the program. We'll see you real soon. Good night and God bless.